o'clock on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff in the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Rash Danny is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off Hour 3 live from Jakarta, the 2023 FIBA World Cup, where Canada is crushing it right now. Uh, hour 3 of this program is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. If you're not paying attention to what Canada is doing at the 2023 FIBA World Cup, reverse that. Start paying attention. I'll give you the primer. In the opening game, they blew out France, one of the top teams in the world. Beat them by 30 points. In their second game, Canada blew out Lebanon. They are now 2-0 in the group. They have advanced to the next round. And with a win against Latvia on Tuesday, they'll go a perfect 3-0 in the group, win the group, and carry that over to the next round. So start paying attention to this. For more on Team Canada from the World Cup, Sportsnet's Arash Madani joins us now on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Arash. How are you? Uh, good evening from Jakarta. 10 o'clock local time here, guys. How is Jakarta? Jakarta is wild. Um, a lot of traffic, a lot of heat, a lot of humidity, a lot of scooters, a lot of motorcycles, um, a lot of street food, and a lot of basketball fans. Um, it's 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 been a trip. Like this is the we're the group phase of the World Cup. So from after two weeks here, it's on to Manila. As long as Canada. Rolling the Philippines, as long as Canada lives up to its end of the bargain. And as you just outlined, they're kind of doing that. Yeah, I mean, this has been an amazing start for the Canadians at the tournament. Could this tournament have started any better for Team Canada? No. I mean, you know, plus 85-point differential in the first two games, um, embarrassing a world power like France, and basically you know, between Canada and Latvia, knocking them out of the tournament. Um, they're relatively healthy. Lou Dortzel banged up, didn't um, play yesterday, and didn't do a whole lot of practice today. But they're, um, they look good. They look really good. And I think the biggest takeaway from all of this, guys, is that all the team, like all the ghosts of Team Canada past feel like they're going to get exorcised over the next few days like mm -hmm. this is this is not your older sister's team canada this is not your parents team canada this is a different national team altogether what do you chalk that up to talent <laughs> like we're we're better than we've we've ever been like it, it's the best national team our country's ever produced I mean, there, there's there's no other way of putting it. Um, you know, nobody thinks about Shea Gilgis Alexander as a superstar. I think there are a lot of Canadians who have no idea who he is. He's all first team NBA. He's literally a top five player in the world. There's only been one other Canadian who's been a first team all NBA. You guys know who that is? The dude from Victoria with the long hair yeah. went to Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. um, so. You know, you have him, you have R.J. Barrett, who's really finding his way in the NBA with the Knicks, first-round pick. Yeah, you know, I can, I can go through the roster. But 
the other thing is these dudes came up together. You know, Dylan Brooks, who is a villain in the NBA, does all the little things, all the little details, hounding players on defense. And the point um, that Shea made today was he said, ultimately, we just all want to win. And he said, when, you, when it comes down to that, you do certain things, things to try and accomplish that goal. And I said, what are those things? And he basically said, what you'd expect, just doing things for each other, sacrificing on and off the court. So when you have buy-in, when you have dudes who care about one another, when you have dudes who are willing to put the team ahead of themselves, and when you have a whole pile of talent, um, it's a pretty good formula. I do want to ask one thing about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, though. Uh, All due respect to Luka Doncic, but is Shea the best player in this tournament? No. (laughs) I'm not going there. Um, But he's... uh, it's a photo finish at the line. How yeah. about that? No, fair it's enough. Jump ball, possession arrow still goes to the Slovenian. Um, now the Amche is close. So, so I'm, here's my greedy question: um, Could Canada win yeah. this thing? Yes. Yeah, yeah. They're they're whew, they're right there with the states. Like this, you know, LeBron's not here. Steph's not here. Um, it's not there. It's not the United States' best team. But, you know, a lot of things are breaking in their favor, too, now, guys. You know, in the micro, tomorrow they play Latvia for a chance to win the group. Christoph Porzingis is injured um, and obviously is not playing. And then Latvia's captain went down the second quarter yesterday. He's out for five, six weeks. His tournament's done. So suddenly things are now kind of happening that way. Um, they're going to have to face Spain in the next round. Spain is a shell of what it used to be. You know, Marc Gasol is not walking through that door. Pau Gasol is not walking through that door. Uh, Calderon, Rubio, they're, they're not around anymore. So a lot of things are happening right now that are advantage Canada. And then, you know, from there, you're going to see what they're made of. And I just, I just am really impressed with the makeup of the dude's on this team and how they go about it. Um, A lot of people have been wondering about the absence of Jamal Murray, and I don't think anyone's going so far as to say, like, it's better without him. But has it simplified things at all for them in that uh, SGA is the man and there's no disputing that? I don't think it matters. I really like – here's the interesting thing about FIBA, guys. It's the opposite of the NBA. Um, the three-point line is is shorter. There's five fouls, not six. There's no TV timeouts. Um, it's physical as all hell. Mm-hmm. It's designed where a superstar really, for the most part, can't take over. Um, look, if you have Jamal and Shane in your backcourt, um, <laughs> that'd be that'd be incredible. And you know, I guess ultimately the hope is that Canada is going to have that next summer at the Olympics. Um, it's funny how it goes. Like this World Cup, on most of the planet, it's a huge deal. In North America, it's all about the Olympics. Um, so people get offended when you call this event an Olympic qualifier, <laughs> even though for a lot of people in North America, that's exactly what it is. 
We're speaking to Arash Madani from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Arash is in Jakarta for the 2023 FIBA World Cup. I want to ask about the head coach here for a moment, Arash, because Jordi Fernandez was thrust into, thrust into a, a pretty tough spot, if we're being honest. He took this gig late when Nick Nurse left. It was basically the end of June when he came aboard as the Canadian head coach. How would you grade the job that Jordi has done this far, not even just in this tournament, but in the lead-up to this tournament with all the friendlies and exhibition tournaments as well? Well, what, what I find impressive about him is a few things. Um, not about him, of the job he's done. I think these are two different things. On the first day, August 1st, back in Toronto, first team meeting, first day on the job, the first thing he said to the guys was, if we don't have a defensive first mindset, if we're not willing to pay the price on defense, if we're not going to make sacrifices on defense, we're doing a disservice to all of us. And the guys have bought in. Like, Canada beat France because for the first 30 minutes of that game, they just defended like all hell. Like, Dylan Brooks was just relentless. And Jordy's willing to raise his voice. He's willing to kick a basketball when need be, but he's, he doesn't go down that road much with them. He's got a real cool, and, and like the buy-in is organic and it's neat, and he wants to make everybody feel part of it. What they've done is, you know, one of the little things, for instance, is on the first day of camp, anybody who is there, even the guys who ended up being cut, some of the staff who didn't come over, everybody signed the Canadian flag. And, you know, today at practice, at the end of practice, he has the flag kind of folded up and he just goes around to each person. They kind of rub it and touch it and just say, hey, we have an obligation and respect for all the people who've been part of this program to do it for them. And you guys know how it is. The hardest part for a coach is not X's and O's, not at this level, it's about getting guys to really believe in your vision and what you're doing. And he's been able to do that with that defensive first mindset, with the team mindset to, to be connected and to be on board. And it's all kind of happened. Uh, at the risk of offending the rest of the world, I do want to talk about the Olympic qualification angle for this because as Canadian yes. basketball fans, we want to get back to the Olympics. It's been a long time. Was it 2000 mm-hmm. the last time in there? That's ridiculous with the talent yes. that this country has. Um, who are they? Because it's almost like a tournament within a tournament, is it not? Or a competition within the tournament. What is almost like the bare minimum that Canada has to do to get 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 to the Olympics? Um, they're going to have the, they need to finish top two in the Americas. So, you know, effectively us, Canada has to be now Americas also includes Brazil who they're going to play in the next round. It's going to be Brazil and Spain that they'll um, play once they get at a group stage. Uh, Dominican Republic has Carl Anthony towns. They're in the mix. Venezuela's in the mix, et cetera. Um, so that's, what's got to happen. They got to finish top two among teams in the Americas. One other thing, guys, and I don't, I don't know if, if you guys are aware of this or your listeners, um, just because we, we're so NBA kind of focused with stars, but this is why it's also different now, is that when you think about the NBA and, and athletes represented from different countries, obviously the United States has the most, you know, players in the NBA. 
But after that, the country that has the most NBA players is not Spain, is not France, not Argentina. It's Canada. And it's by a wide margin. So we're really good, but being Canadian, we just don't like to, you know, pump our chest and, and say it out loud. But these dudes are going to make everybody say it out loud over the next couple of weeks. Believe it. Yeah, I mean, I, I knew that there was, a, I think it was 50-plus NBA players in the FIBA World Cup. Think about that. Yeah, but there's, a, yeah, it's crazy because there's a million teams. God, there's 32 of them, I think, if I'm not mistaken. So you would think that the talent yeah. would be spread out throughout the countries, but it's really the large majority of them play for the U.S. and then for Canada. And can, the, the depth that Canada has, and we saw it on display a little bit against Lebanon, a weaker opponent granted, so you can empty the bench a lot easier, but... Um, I, I, I just did want to go back to what you said earlier about the way that they beat France and the clamping down. And because you can be so physical in FIBA basketball, guys like Lou Dort and Dylan Brooks on the perimeter are a problem because they can just get after it and do what they want. And I thought Brooks has been unreal through the tournament. He's been great, but he's really good against France. Now, I know you had the chance to sit down with him and have an interview. What was that like? Because he became a super polarizing guy in the NBA this year. He's awesome. Like, he just, he embraces the villain character. And he says, yeah, go into a character mode. Um, he believes that part of his job is not just to defend and just not just not to score, but it's to antagonize and get into the head of the opponent. And he said, yeah, I was in LeBron's head. I was in LeBron's head for that series. And then he said, the unfortunate part is that, we were under man. And I said, Oh, what? Cause jaw got hurt in game one of that series. He said, no, the hell with job. Brandon Clark wasn't there. And Steven Adams was hurt. So Brooks knows what he's doing. And, you know, there was all this conversation that, Oh man, no team's going to touch him. He's a lightning rod, whatever. Houston gave him over 80 million bucks. You know, Dennis Rodman played a real important role in a lot of teams over the course of his career. He may have been a bit of a bizarre character, but he could rebound the hell of a basketball. He could defend like all hell. And when it really mattered, he was there. He showed up. And Dylan Brooks continues to show that. But he on in this team with this dynamic, he is fully all in. And it's um, – I agree. He's – to me, look, Shea's the best player. He's the most important player. But nobody's impact is felt more than Brooks's, if that makes any sense. Does he have any regrets about what he said about LeBron? Because let's be honest, he didn't end up coming out. Oh looking, no, he, looking he's great. all he's all in on it. Yeah, he liked it. So he's going to keep doing it. That think? was in his head. But oh yeah, but he, they, they uh, lost the I series. Do you think he did? Well, they lost. They lost the series without Morant, mm-hmm. without Brandon Clark, and without Stephen Adams. And they went six games right. to a Laker team that got to the conference finals. So, look, before there's an argument to be made. Before a playoff game, LeBron walks over, crosses midcourt, and you know gets right into his face in a stare down, talking smack like it's a weigh in of a heavyweight fight. Brooks is like, yeah, I had him. Did he motivate LeBron, though? Like, I remember when P.K. Subban tried that with Sidney Crosby, and Sid was just like, okay. And then he played a lot better than P.K., and the Penguins won the Cup. Yeah. No, I don't think. I don't think so. And I'm a Laker guy. 
Um, <laughs> I don't. I not. I wouldn't. I wouldn't compare those two situations at all. We're speaking to Arash Mandani from Sportsnet here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I want to do some – we've had a big day for the province of British Columbia because at 7 o'clock uh, we had on Ethan Katzberg, who is the, from Nanaimo, 21 years old, and he's the world champion hammer thrower on the men's side. And now I want to talk about Kelly Olenek because you mentioned Shea Gilgis-Alexander is the best player. Dylan Brooks plays you know his important role and might be the heartbeat of the team. Where does Olenek fit into all this? Because he's been very good. He's the captain. He's experienced and a big guy that can do the sort of cerebral things that he does. Uh, it makes a big deal in FIBA basketball and NBA as well. But uh, what does Kelly Olenek mean to this team? What's his role on this team aside from being the captain? Yeah, he's the OG for sure. Now, here's the other thing. Just because someone is tall and white and old doesn't mean they can't run the floor and be a ball distributor. Right, right. And Kelly Olenek's proving that right now because – you know, Canada yesterday set the world the World Cup record for most assists ever in a game in the history of the World Cup, and it was Olenek in the beginning who was the one running the floor, getting the ball moved around, the catalyst to all of that. There are so many different things Olenek can do on this team, and he's played FIBA so long. He's such a smart player, and the guys respect him. Like so often we always, you know, hear about culture and, and the rest. Kelly's the one that drives that. And in terms of a team dynamic, like I've been asking some of the guys, you know, they, again, they reported training camp August 1st. Like it's almost been a full month and they've done a few team dinners and this and that, but like these guys have been like kind of nerds. Like they've played a lot of cards in the hotel, probably for a lot of money. And they've done the whole board game thing. And, and, but they also spend a lot of time, you know, through camp. And even when they arrived here, it was two a day workouts. And Dwight Powell's like, we're gym rats. And it's Olenek who's the one who's like, okay, guys, we're here to win. And dudes are on board with that. So Kelly's, Kelly's a big part of kind of the team dynamic, the glue guy on the floor. He, he offers a lot, but off the floor, he offers a ton too. Uh, before we let you go, just set up real quick Tuesday's game against Latvia. Canada's heavy favorites once again. I think it's 15 and a half. Uh, it's a Latvian team that also beat France and has some NBA talent, but missing a couple key guys, as you mentioned. Uh, set the stage for Tuesday's final group stage game against Latvia. I can't believe I've, I, I would ever say this, but I think 15 and a half is too little. Really? Um, it's just, it, it's, Look, Latvia's scrappy. They can shoot the ball incredibly well, um, but it's just in a it's just so much attrition right now. Again, they've lost their captain. They don't have Porzingis. They don't have another one of their significant players. Canada knows what to expect from them. Latvia will play some zone. They'll play some box and one. They're going to try a bunch of different things, and Canada wants to be aggressive against them. So the way they're cooking right now. Um, I, I think the Canadians route and then they'll have a couple of days off and then it's Spain day off then Brazil or Brazil day off and then Spain. And um, with a win tomorrow and at the very least a split between Brazil and, and Spain, if not winning both, they're in real good position to get to the quarterfinals and then see what happens. Exciting times for Canada basketball. Arash, thanks for doing this. Uh, we'll check back later on in the tournament. Okay. Anytime, boys. Thanks. Thanks, Thank Arash. You.
Rash Madani from Sportsnet, live from Jakarta, Indonesia, the 2023 FIBA World Cup. You sensed my excitement when I was watching the game on yeah. was it Friday. It was Friday, right? It was yeah. Friday's show. That third uh, quarter that they just gave France nothing. They manhandled them. Yeah. It was 43 to 40 at the break, right? And I remember thinking, okay, yeah. you're playing France pretty tight. That's good. France is like a top yeah. five team in the world. I wasn't watching it like you were. And then I look up and I'm like, wait a minute, Canada's winning by like 25 here? What's going I on? thought France's score bug was broken because it didn't move. It just stayed <laughs> at like 40 for five, six minutes. It was crazy. Okay. But, on, on, honest take. What did you think of Arash's opinion that Brooks didn't embarrass himself against LeBron? Because I would say 99% of people that watched the NBA playoffs last year would be like, Dylan Brooks got embarrassed. He I ran was... his he ran his mouth, and actually Barkley was saying, Charles Barkley was saying the other day that like Dylan Brooks was the best thing to happen to LeBron in that series because LeBron is getting a little bit older, and Dylan Brooks helped motivate him, gave him the energy to compete yeah. in that series. Um. Okay, let's put it this way. When it happened, and we all were reacting in real time, right? Because we basically came in the morning after um, Dylan Brooks is like, he call him an old man. And so we were reacting on a night-by-night basis. It was hard not to look at it, especially the way LeBron responded and be like, yeah, that was a bad move by Dylan Brooks. Yeah. That was a mistake. You should not have done that. Right. Why would you pull Sometimes you can bite off too much, right? The other part of it was... The backlash was super severe. We talked mm-hmm. a lot about Dylan Brooks having not talked about him at all during yeah. the regular. Like Dylan Brooks was just like he's a Canadian that plays in the NBA, seems like an all right guy, and then all of a sudden we're like, <laughs> what's going on here, right? And part of it was Memphis, and they had this attitude and this persona, and I guess maybe with Morant gone, he felt like he had to. But he, either way, at the end of the day, it felt like a mistake. It felt like he poked the bear and bit off more than he could chew. But for him to that. say like. I feel like I always had him. I feel like that series was thrown upon me because of the words that I say, but I've been saying things all year and we won 50 games. Did, I just, did he have him? But I just, I just think at this part, he says that because there's no other way to go with it. He's not going to be super self-reflective and honest and humble. That's not happening. I don't know. You can admit that you I don't, made some mistakes. You can if you're like not playing the yeah. role of the villain but he's playing the role like, I'm, of the villain. I'm not saying he should have been drummed out of the nba but here now that's important to bring up because i thought he was screwed when i heard that he got 80 million dollars from houston well didn't he get kicked out of one of the games too and like he had that like sad walk outside the arena it went badly for him yeah it went really badly for him but then he went and then so i thought okay i mean we made the jokes right we're like maybe the fraser valley bandits can call him and because that's where we thought his future was going to go but then houston turned around and gave the guy $80 million. So obviously some people saw um, what he brought to the table. The interesting thing is that whatever he did with the Grizzlies with putting on the villain routine, he's not doing it here. Right. And so I guess well, it's... Not yet. Well, yeah, give it time. Those yeah, Latvians yeah. I mean, better watch Basketball out. Phil texts in, come on, that was a bad move by Brooks. That was very clear. Well, apparently it wasn't. I thought it was universally known that he, he bit off more than he could chew in LeBron James. I mean, and he tried to antagonize one of the greatest basketball players ever, if not the greatest basketball players ever. And LeBron was like, oh, yeah? I mean, there's there's countless incidents of this happening before, right? I mean, I went to the first one that I could think of. It was hockey, and Subban ended up looking like an idiot in that Penguins-Nashville series. Um, I would bring up, like, Stephen Ames 
talking about Tiger and how Tiger looked vulnerable and then Steve and then Tiger went out and beat him like 10 and 8 in match play, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes when you are the talker, the antagonist, the agitator, you run the risk of looking like a complete idiot. Like I don't feel any differently now than I did back then, which was like not it wasn't it wasn't good. Didn't work. Wasn't smart. And <laughs> Uh, it was too big for his britches. Like there's, you can he could have gone after yeah. Austin Reeves, but you're going after LeBron. Like LeBron, yeah. <laughs> LeBron James is maybe he pantheon just pantheon of greatness. Maybe right? he just felt with but jaw I, out. He was like, you know what? This is a hail mary. It might blow up on my face, but let's take a shot and see if I can get under the skin of LeBron James and get him off his game. When in reality, maybe the opposite happened. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think it's. Uh... As it pertains to this team, what he brings in the because he actually is a good basketball player. I think that maybe got lost in all of this. Is like he's not LeBron. He's a very good basketball player, and he's tough as nails. Mm-hmm. And in this tournament, he can be the kind of guy that can really make a difference because you're allowed to be so physical. Like I don't know how much you watched of the game. You just grab guys wherever. Right. You can be really physical in FIBA ball. Mm-hmm. And if the Canada tackled very well. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> right? It was clutch and grab. It was like watching hockey in the late 90s. It was amazing. Uh, get your what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We need more. We've had a few. We need more. I know it's Monday. Everyone's like, oh, God, it's the last week. And then we had to go actually got to start working again. I know. We're asking you to work a little bit by sending in some what we learned. Text them into the Dunbar Lumber text line. 650-650 Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street. Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Buse in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Uh, text your what we learns in. We've got a few. We'll share those with you. Then we'll read the listeners. You know how it works. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show, where you're part of the show. Download the podcast and stay up to date on Vancouver sports all summer long. Now for my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. What we learn time on the show. Eight thirty-three on a Monday. Happy Monday, everybody. Halford Bruff Sportsnet six fifty. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound? Visit them on the interweb at campbell-pound.com today. Uh, So hopefully everyone has what we learned, so you've prepared for the show, right? I'm going to start. So it gives you a few minutes to, like, panic. Find. I I don't need to panic. Do your homework Um, while the teacher's collecting all the other homework. You know what? what I'm going to go out and say it. This isn't a huge thing, but. Victor Hovland is my favorite golfer. Victor Hovland. Victor Hovland is Norwegian? my is my is my new favorite golfer, and I hope we become friends because he's a lot richer after winning the Tour Championship. How uh, did he get so rich, Jason? Uh, it, well, it was his second straight victory. 
He won the BMW Championship right before the Tour Championship, which gave him a leg up in the Tour Championship, but he still played very well in Atlanta. And his latest victory came with the FedEx Cup and an $18 million bonus. So the 25-year-old from Norway earned $21.6 million over the last two weeks. But money is not what drives Victor Hovland. And I really, really, I'm an old man. I like my athletes humble. And this is what Victor Hovland had to say after winning all that money. It's a lot of cash you're playing for. I mean, it's in your back of the, in the back of your mind, but I, I live in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Um, money goes a long ways there. It's not like I'm, I'm spending money out the wazoo every week. I, uh, I, I don't need a lot to be happy. I don't need, need a lot to live within my means. Um, so obviously it's, it's nice for, you know, for my family to have that protection and my, you know, eventual kids that I'll have in the future. It's, it's nice to have that, but it's not, it's not something that drives me. It's not something that gives me, you know, meaning. Uh, I find meaning in other places, but obviously with how society works, um, money is something you need. So just for fun, I went on the real estate listings in Stillwater, Oklahoma. That's where he went to college, I think. Okay, I was like, yeah, why yeah, does he? Yeah. Live, I think, why I think would he, he went choose to, to live there. I think he went to Oklahoma State or something like he that. He did go to Oklahoma yeah. State. Okay. He could leave. Um, what? Well, yeah, because but he still go there. But it, so anyway, I went on the real estate listings there. The most expensive house I could find was three million dollars. Mm-hmm. It was a sprawling house. Like, it was on 10 acres, like, amazing house, you know, wine cellar, the the whole thing. Like, it was incredible. It's it's like, so he's he's almost like, he's he's not joking. Like, if he lives in Stillwater, it would actually be difficult to blow that much money. In Stillwater. I saw saw one of the listings that you sent along. (laughs) I was like... You know, you could buy it, the equivalent here would be like he had a tear down in East Vancouver for that yeah. kind of money, right? Um, Do they also use the term wazoo a lot in Stillwater? So, Oklahoma? yeah, that was yeah. another thing. That was, he, a, that was a Norwegian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he sounds very not Norwegian. Yeah, because he came over to play college golf. So he's, yeah, I just like it's, yeah. he's this he's very, got an interesting story, though, because it's actually difficult to become a really good golfer in Norway. Why? Uh, because you don't have much of the winters to practice. Like he practiced when he came over to uh, North America, he told his college coach, I'm really looking forward to playing golf on grass. (laughs) Where was he playing? Well, like off mats, right? Like it's Norway. It's dark for half the year. Now, I guess there is a counterpoint in that when it is the summer, he played all day. So he'd be playing golf until 10 at night. Right. So anyway, he's just, he seems like a nice kid. He was a terrible chipper before, so he worked on that. Um, he said, it was like he actually said, I'm like, I suck at chipping. <laughs> so he went to this short game specialist uh, by the name of Joe Mayo. Shut up. Yeah, his name is Joe Mayo. Short to Dyson? Joe Mayo. Dyson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, it's yeah. like the Seinfeld character. Yeah, Joe Mayo. Already... That's the same guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what? the same guy. Yeah, yeah. The They're one going... they bought the, the chair for. Yeah. yeah and he gives guy. every single person at the party a job. Yeah. Yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Joe don't, Mayo. Don't, don't tap the aquarium. Please don't tap the aquarium. <laughs> also, uh, with your chipping, you, you got to get your hands through first. <laughs> there can only be one Joe Mayo. Hey, I have a coach just like that. <laughs> anyway, Victor Hovland, I hope he keeps rolling at the Ryder Cup because I always cheer for Europe at the Ryder Cup. That's coming up uh, in like a month's time in Italy. 
So that'll be interesting. So Europe, Europe's got a chance. I mean, their top three players are going to be Rory, John Rahm, and Victor Hovland. Uh, we'll see how the depth fills out after that. Uh, that's enough golf talk from Jason Braff. Give us a moo cow. My what we learned is a spinoff of Andy's what we learned from last week about movies and good deals. Not just for you, but for the big fam. Mm. So what was the one? It was four ninety nine. It was four bucks on Sunday. Right. So uh, in September, Cineplex on Saturday mornings is doing two ninety nine movie mornings. Two dollars and ninety nine cents. Define mornings. How early do you have to be there? Well, I think they're meant for families. These are wholesome films. Saturday morning, like Saturday morning cartoons. So they're they're all family movies. But like you have to be there at like eight in the morning or. I don't have the exact movie times in front of me. I can't I take just... my two-year-old to see Oppenheimer. Like, what is this? <laughs> she loves she, she loves atomic weapons. She always has. <laughs> it's an early passion. <laughs> no, you can't take Rosie to see Oppenheimer. Come on, uh, you can I'm take a... you can Rosie. Take her... If these weapons fall into the wrong hands, you don't have a future. Did is you it... know that? Why are you clapping? <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that the analogy? It's like giving a baby a, a loaded handgun. You could play that out in real time in the theater. Anyway, um, so there's all these movies. I guess you could go. I don't think you need to actually physically have a child with you to enjoy family movies for two ninety nine. So you can't kind of stop on the street and ask some kid, "Hey, you want to go?" No, see it's like how Bruff got his pirate pack. Right, you just have to have an imaginary child, which sounds worse now that I've said it out loud. Anyway, all right. can we give a mook out here? Starts in September. Go to a cheap movie with your family. Tupi and Binu comes out on the 23rd. Um, okay, I'm going to read. Can we go into Do you guys have one? Oh, I was going to do one. Yeah, okay, do one. no, you do one. Make it you quick, though. So Make it quick, though. It was a, there was a baseball fight over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yankees and the Yankees Rays. Rays. Yeah. Oh, the Rays were making fun of them, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, so there was a clip after the game I want to play here, actually, from Brandon Lau. The Yankees are getting it from all angles these days, from the announcers their own coach, they're getting it from the fans, and they're getting it from the other team. Listen to this postgame after the fight from Brandon Lau of the Rays. The, the history that we do have with the Yankees, everything that's kind of come through, obviously probably does play a part in it, but looking at it, it's a, it's a last place team against a team that's in contention. You know, there's trying to ignite something over there, whatever. Uh, not worth our time at this moment. You know, we're, we're focused on bigger things right now than worrying about a, a little on-field scuffle. So that's all the Yankees are to the Rays, you guys. Just a whatever. They, sadly, they do not play again after the last game they played on Sunday. So that's that's it for the the. Will there be a huge shake up there? It's got to be, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Boone's gone, I mm-hmm. would assume. And right. the team is old. Like, there's a bunch of guys. Like, like LeMayhew's still got a couple years left on his deal. Donaldson's just been a disaster. It's yeah, it's pretty much a gut job there. There's a couple guys obviously they want to hang on to, right? Yeah, and it's not looking good. Give us a mukal on that. Uh, all right, let's uh, print out these submissions. And you guys really came through and texted in a bunch of what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Marcus and Gibson's what we learned. Bruff is the sad club commish, but after seeing the BC Lions sweet photo with the Sportsnet 650 crew, I learned that A Dog looks like the Mad Club commish. <laughs> You really put on a tough face. Yeah, that was my don't mess that, with me face. For yeah. that picture. Yeah. yeah. Give him your mean face, Andy. Yeah. Um, the contest winner, Jeff in Burnaby, texted in on what we learned. What we learned despite the flat performance and mustard on my shoe, the live experience got the Leos. A few new young fans appreciate you guys for coming out and hanging with us. Um, yes. 
Thank you, Jeff and Burnaby. Thank you, Also, Jeff thank and you for bringing very nice people into the suite. It was good. We were worried that it would be like Jeff and like nine of his meatball friends, and they would just be like, let's do shots the whole game. <laughs> there was... <laughs> There was, I'm not going to lie. When it's when we first launched the contest, it was you and nine friends. I'm like, whew, that's a lot of friends. And then I was thinking, like, if you get – because we're all older now, right? Yeah, yeah, So if you get nine friends of yours together, it's basically a reunion at that point, mm-hmm. and all bets are off as to what kind of behavior. One guy's really see. happy to be out of the house. Yeah, one guy – There's always one of those guys who's like, he doesn't come out much, but when he does <laughs> – He's, he's never Frank, allowed out again. He's Frank the Tank, basically. The, the mustard on the shoe was trying rough, to arm uh, wrestle me. Really uh, I, I do have to. Uh, oh, Jeff got that mustard off. Like it was. That's a tough. It one. was right on the toe. Really? Yeah. Like very uh, noticeable. So I hope the the uh, magic eraser worked wonders. Uh, Roy, with what we learned, we learned Nathan Rourke is getting an NFL job somewhere. So the Jacksonville Jaguars have until tomorrow. At I think one o'clock our time to make final cuts, the Jags have to decide whether to keep Rourke on their fifty-three man active roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but if they try to put him on the practice squad, there's waivers. Yep. So another NFL team looking for a backup could theoret- theoretically pick him up. I I have to acknowledge that um, I was not a good sports talking guy in my initial analysis, because I just assumed when Nathan Rourke signed with Jacksonville that he was, one, going to have a job, and two, was going to be the backup quarterback. I did not think that it was going to go this way. I, maybe it was because I'm naive. You didn't see C.J. Beathard coming? Or stupid. I don't know which one it is. It but could be both. Other people have come back and be like, how did you not know? How did anyone that thought that Rourke was just going to walk into a backup job doesn't know football? And I'm like, well, I guess I don't know football then, because I assumed yeah. that that's... What was the the plan was go back up Trevor Lawrence. That's mm-hmm. just how I saw it. I didn't think that, and I get that C.J. Beathard has uh, NFL experience, but he's also C.J. Beathard. Yeah. I feel like everyone well, knows what we're getting there. Maybe I, that's the reason he's the backup. I don't know. Here's what I thought would happen. I thought they would sign a veteran like C.J. Beathard, but I didn't think it would be so automatic that Beathard would be the number two guy. I thought it would Fair. be a legit competition. Fair assessment. And it has never seemed like a competition. Like, no. Peterson has basically said, like, yeah, CJ's our number two guy. Yeah. And they're like, but Nathan's playing really well. And he's like, don't make me tap the sign. I already said it. Uh, uh, Richard, oh, okay. okay, Richard the Hay oh, guy. that's what I was going to read. Okay, you can read it then, okay. pal. All right. Uh, Newcastle, so what we le- what? You what? already screwed uh, it up. What? No, I thought you were saying just, something. Just read what? It. Hey, what? What? We say something? Hot mic. Hashtag WWL, what we learned. Newcastle United's assistant manager shushed Jurgen Klopp after their opening goal and conceded late goals against 10 men Liverpool and lost. Yeah, game of the weekend in the Premiership. Yeah, Dylan Brooks was like, shush him. Do it. Do it now. <laughs> Do, it. Do, it. Do it now. Yeah, Saudi FC with a tough loss to Liverpool coming after losing to Man City, which, you know, in theory isn't the worst thing, but they're... They have higher expectations this season. They're going to play in the Champions League. Yeah. Um, they lost to Man City in Manchester, 1-0. So you're like, oh, that's not that bad. And then this one was at St. James. Yep. They had the 1-0 lead. They did. Virgil van Dijk, who is pretty good, Yep. got an early red card. The first of his Liverpool career. Were you watching this game? Like, I what did. happened? How did Liverpool win this game? Uh, errors at the back. by just it, Darwin Nunez came on and took the chances that he was given with aplomb. Fantastic finish. Really impressive. But um, there was two errors at the back by Newcastle. 
they with the real um problem here was that they didn't put the match away when uh Van Dyke got sent off yeah. and chances just started coming like crazy. They had a lot of possession, didn't they? They and must they had, have and, against and a 10 ton of sh- Yeah, Almiron yeah. had two shots hit the post. Like what Becker made a save or Allison whatever made a save on uh, Almiron which was out of this world good mm-hmm. and then Newcastle was pressing and pressing and pressing but it just wouldn't go in. Right. Huge misses on like easy opportunities, hitting the post, hitting the crossbar. And it's one of those games where it's like they're missing too many chances. Like they're squandering yeah. way too many chances. This is gonna, this is this yeah. is gonna cost you've them. let you, you've let Liverpool hang around for too long. Great match though. Best match of the weekend, I think. Uh Justin and East Van, what we learned, Andy thinks the hammer throw is literally throwing hammers because he played too much Super Mario Brothers growing up. Now I don't I don't I don't I don't, I don't play this. Still game, do. There are still do Koopas. Is that yes. a thing? Hammer yep. bros. That throw hammer. hammers at Mario and Mario, Mario, Mario yep. in the game. You got what, it. What's a Koopa? A Koopa is a, a turtle with a shell and sometimes wings. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, not very nice. They're aggressive. Aggressive turtles. Aggressive turtles. They're throwing hammers at you. They so don't like Italian plumbers. So a kid's game? They're throwing in, hammers? In your, well, they in, don't. In your head, did all that knowledge replace the knowledge that should have been allocated to the major cities of the world? Yes. <laughs> we see if Jakarta was featured in Mario Brothers, then I would have known it. Marty the Red, what we learned. Hashtag WWO, what we learned. What we learned, Fridge not only showed up early this morning, but he was also able to handle the truth when corrected on his movie references. That's why he's the best in the business. Yeah. I'm it, not, it, yeah. I, I didn't. Okay, so I, I was like, I, I shouldn't correct him, but come on, that was. Fridge said, when talking about Elias Pettersson's uh, lack of like voraciousness, and, and 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 he's not like a huge demonstrative public speaker. He's not going to give the monologue. He said he's not going to give a speech like Tom Cruise in uh, a few good men, right? Yeah. Well, he said like Tom Cruise, like you can't handle the truth, right. and then and I'm, I'm like, like, um, like, actually, actually, that was Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Did Tom we- Cruise was part of it. He said, I want the truth. And then Jack Nicholson said, you can't handle the truth, you, actually. Preach. Usually we mock The film came out the- in 1992 and had an investment box office of $42 million. That was a good movie, by the way. It was, it was a, good a good movie. movie. Really but good movie. Um, usually we mock the well, actually guy. But then yeah. Bruff became well, actually guy. Yeah. But Fridge Fridge is a pro. He handled it like the true professional that he is. Like Jamie Dodd would. And then <laughs> sent him a really angry text after he yeah, got yeah, yeah. Never, 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 never show me up on the radio again. <laughs> yeah. That is the last time. You'll never Elliot work in this town again. Yeah. Uh, uh, Cat Mom B. What? <laughs> text in. That sounds like a rapper name. Cat Mom B. Got no, a new single out. Yeah. What we learned, I learned that Bob Barker passed away. Rest in mm. peace to the goat of game show hosting after Trebek, of course. Let's not power rank. We can't the, do this. Um... The yeah, Bob Barker. I know there were some allegations about Bob Barker, but that guy could run a game show. Uh-huh. Can, can you imagine all the unexpected things that would happen during The Price Is Right? Mm-hmm. Like the type of person, like with Jeopardy, you, you, Jeopardy, you, you know weed, the few lunatics, but like weed out the dust. Yeah, you're kind of like yeah, these people are pretty smart, yeah. and they and they have they have tryouts too to make sure that you can handle you know being on TV. Yeah, Price, the price is, is Right. right no. You're just like, and here's a frat girl from, uh, I don't know, like Mississippi or something, and she's very excited. Yep. The skill testing. This one qu- just fell under the wheel. The skill, <laughs> the skill testing question is: Can you stand in line in a parking lot? If you answer yes, then you get to be on The Price Is Right. I've seen. I watched how, how the documentary many on The Price Is Right. Oh, really? There was a guy that hacked the um, pricing 
of uh, the Showcase Showdown. Oh, really? Yeah. In and what he, way? He had a sort of database of uh, items that he then almost had like photographic memory. He was able to commit it to memory. So he would go to millions and millions of tapings and yell out what the prices were of all the items that were going to be in the Showcase Showdown. And he'd add them up in his brain uh-huh. and then he'd yell it out. Okay. And then sometimes the people would take his advice and they'd be within like $9 of oh, price. Really? <laughs> and then finally they let him on the show and he crushed it. Nice. He knew, yeah, like obviously a bit of an eccentric to have committed all of the items yeah, yeah. from the prices right to memory. But yeah, and then he just he just creamed everybody because he knew the prices of every single thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you'd be like, does it have California emission? Yeah, well, that was a thing. Right? Some people study for Jeopardy, you know, all the different subjects you need to know, and some people study retail prices. And he just said, but he just said, like, the people that were putting the packages together, they just never kind of kept up with it. Maybe we should change yeah, yeah. this, right? So, like, the price of a Toshiba microwave, if that's a thing, I don't even know if they make microwaves, but it was consistent. And if you had changed, you could look it up really easy and figure it out. Do you know what I always was impressed with Bob Barker for? Do you remember they had that golf game where you had to make a putt so what was it called well i can't remember what it was called but basically the idea was you had to make a putt at the end to win the prize but there were there was a mini competition to start and you could get closer if you got each thing right it's called hole in one or two because you got oh yeah yeah maybe you got an extra chance but bob barker would always um make a putt he'd be he'd be like he'd be like okay let me show you how it's done he nailed that putt like ninety percent of the time. I was like, "Is that Patrick Cantlay there? Like, someone, this is unbelievable." Someone literally texted it. It was called Hole in One or Two or See? Two. Yeah. Dun dun dun. <laughs> or Two was in brackets. Anyway, rest in peace, Bob Barker. Um, Doug from Delta with a what we learned also about putting. Okay. Paul Goidos four putted from two feet on the 17th hole to lose the PGA Champions Tour event yesterday. I wanted to crawl into a hole just watching it. Okay, I didn't see this, but I, I didn't heard see about that it. either. I, I, I didn't even I didn't even know about it. Um did you so you didn't watch it? No, I, it? I but I saw well cuz I saw the name Paul Goidos. I'm like I think I watched him play at the GVO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he He's was probably here. There. Yeah. He sounds like Guy Boros though. Oh, uh, maybe won it. it was Guy Boros. Yeah. You Somewhere, know what? I rescind my earlier remark. Yeah. Guy think, Boros won the first one. Yeah, I remember that. I think yeah. I was there for it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't remember who. Um and then yeah, I, I, I don't even know how this is possible. Yeah. Well, Four putting from 2 feet. Do you remember when Ernie five putted at the Masters? And he's like, sometimes you get the heebie jeebies. (laughs) (laughs) That was my South African. That was. That was very South African. Um, That was good. That wasn't bad. wasn't wasn't bad. Um, Unsigned what we learned, but it's about Messi, so we got to read it. Most of my South African impressions are from uh, um, uh, Lethal Weapon 2 when they fought the South Africans. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't I do them. I can't do them on the air. It's hard because the South Africans don't say the best things in that one. It's, it's the hard. South Africans don't for a while any of the dialogue incredible villains. I like grew- during apartheid, you were like, let's make all the bad guys <laughs> South Africans. They love their cougarants. I grew up with a South African and one of my buddies, and they would speak Afrikaans at the Afrikaans at the dinner table. And oh my god, it's impo- that language is so incredible. Like I, I could not imagine trying to learn. And that they language. sounded a bit evil, didn't they? <laughs> they were plotting something. <laughs> 
All right, we got to get out of here today before we talk ourselves into any further problems. I'm going to turn off my mic and not turn it back on to talk at the commercials. Signing off for now, I have been Mike Halford. He has been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog, and he's been Laddie. Thanks for listening. We got to go. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.